Love Talk Radio. Hi everyone, this is Camille from sunny California, and you're listening to the Coffee Chat with Camille show, which is a podcast series that interviews various guests about real-life topics for people who love to learn. Today's topic is the Travis Technique and how it differs from other forms of directing. Our guest is Mark Travis. He works with with film directors to generate more organic and authentic performances from their actors. After 40 years of directing, writing, acting, and teaching, Mark has developed a radical approach to working with actors called the Travis Technique, earning him the title of the Director's Director. You can find out more about Travis at tifi.us. This is his website where listeners can access more information on the Travis Technique through videos, blogs, webinars, etc. Okay? So, I already can see Travis is calling. Or, yeah, he's calling. So, let me get our wonderful interview started, folks, right? Yes, of course. <laughs> I'm very excited. Hello. Hi, Mark. How are you? Hi. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being on the show today. It's a pleasure to be here. Excellent. I'm going to go ahead and start asking you these great questions. What is the Travis Technique? Great question. It's a big question. Um, The Travis Technique um, actually is an umbrella term that covers all of the techniques I've developed for directors, theater and film directors. So it's a a big territory. And what you were just talking about, about, you know, getting performances out of actors, that's part of the technique. Um, It's actually called the interrogation process. But these techniques are ways of approaching directing actors, looking at story, directing actors, getting performances, even shooting performances, so that you get a more authentic story and more authentic characters. Excellent. And why is working with actors such an such a crucial job for film directors? Um, first of all, Camille, there are a lot of a lot of directors who, and very talented directors who don't like really like working with actors, and the reason they don't like it is because they don't know how to work with them or they're afraid of actors, and the the task of working with actors on a film is probably the most difficult task that the director has because. You can never predict what's going to happen. You can talk to a set designer or a cinematographer and tell them what you want, and they can deliver pretty much exactly what you want. The actors can't do that. That's not the way it works. 
So how to get the performance you want from an actor is a very, very delicate and tricky and very often frustrating process. That's why you hear directors who will do 20, 30, 40, or 50 takes of the same moment just to try to get what they want. It's very, very challenging. And there are a lot of inherent problems in the traditional way, the traditional way of, of um, working with actors, which is the director basically telling or asking the actor to give them a certain kind of performance. I want, you know, I want more empathy here. I want more anger. It needs to, in other words, telling them the results that they want. And that is really not a very productive way to work because now the actor has to try to interpret what you mean and give you something along those lines, and it will not come out authentically um, because it can't, because it's manufactured. It's really pretending. And my way mm-hmm. of working with actors is to put it very simply, which at this moment may not make a lot of sense, but maybe a little later in this talk it will, is I tell directors, don't direct the actors. Don't try to tell them, don't tell them what you want and expect them to give it. It's not going to work. The way you have to work with that actor is you have to talk only to the character. You have to direct the character. You have to build the character inside the actor and then send the character into the scene actually without a plan without a plan of how to play the scene. Now, one thing I'm going to say here that is really um, pretty simple to understand is that actors will do a scene and they'll plan how to do it. They know how they're going to play it. And when you think about it, Camille, that is unrealistic. We don't go through life doing that. I mean, I, I didn't come on to this podcast with you with a plan of exactly what I'm going to say and how I'm going to say it. We're, you and I are in the middle of a moment of real life. And if you want to repeat that, if you want to create that on the screen, then you have to, the, the authenticity, then you have to remove the actor's plan. You have to remove it, get rid of it, and mm-hmm. then focus only on the character who is in a real moment in their life. Okay. And then... Um touched on the interrogation process. Can you explain mm-hmm. what it is? I cast an actor in a film or a play. I cast them, I, and I will tell them this. I said, once I've cast them, I'm assuming that the character that they're going to play already exists inside them, deep inside them. It's, you know, it's an aspect of them in many, many different ways. In other words, the actor doesn't have to focus on creating a character. The actor now, actor's job now, is to release the character. But the task of releasing the character that lives inside you is almost impossible because your own actor brain is talking, is telling you what to do. Let's do it this way. Let's say the line this way. It's very, very busy. The actor's brain is very busy. So my job is to shut down, literally, I can shut down the actor's brain and activate the character's brain, the character that lives inside the actor. And that is done through an interrogation process where I'm talking to the character, not the actor. I'm talking to the character and asking the character a lot of questions. 
about the character, about what they want, what they need, why they did this, why that. I'm just asking a lot of questions. That's the interrogation. And in the answering of those questions, the character begins to emerge. And every question and answer, the character gets stronger, gets clearer. And actually what happens in actors around the world that I've worked with tell me what happens inside them is their home brain, the actor's brain, just goes quiet. They just watch. They don't do anything. They just watch this character come out of them, this character who is powerful and needy, but totally authentic. So the interrogation process is a way of shutting down the actor's brain and activating the character's brain. Excellent. And then uh, why do actors love the interrogation process so much? That's a good question. I don't know, Camille, if you've done any acting, because you and I have just met today, so I know nothing, very little about you, except I've listened yes. to some of your other podcasts. But um, imagine, imagine you're an actress and you've been asked to play a certain role. What's going to happen with you, this happens with every actor, is what clicks in very quickly is I'm not going to do a good job. I could make a mistake. I'm not going to give the director what they want. I'm going to miss a lot of opportunities here. I'm not prepared enough. All of those things. These are just the actor fears. They're very normal fears that actors have. So actors have a lot of fear of slowing the process down, disappointing people, disappointing themselves, and all of that. Now, if I'm dealing only with the character and not the actor, the, the actor will feel immediately that they have nothing to do with this process, that this character is just coming out. And, and I will tell them this too, the character cannot make a mistake. The character hears a question, gives an answer. The character hears a question, gives an answer. That's their answer. Now, it may be a lie, it may be a lot of it, but it's not a mistake. It's not a mistake for one very important reason. I can't ask the character to give me a certain kind of performance because the character, not the actor, the character is not in a movie. The character is in a moment in their life. So you can't ask them to give you a performance. You can't even talk about the script and the scenes or the, all that. You can't. All I can do is activate the character and send them in, knowing they cannot make a mistake it's because the actors know that and feel it immediately. Feel it immediately. They cannot make a mistake. Suddenly they are released, and a lot of their creative powers and creative imaginations and abilities come rushing out because of that because the fear is gone. And this is why the actors like it so much. Excellent. And then... What is your biggest challenge working with directors? Working with directors. Aha. So that gets back to uh, a lot of what I do is I, well, I teach directing. I, I develop directors. I coach directors. And I consult with a lot of directors on the projects that they're doing on. And my biggest, some of the biggest, there are a lot of big challenges. One is time. How much time do we have? But a lot of um, the obstacles that I face is how flexible and open-minded the director is. 
And I've worked with directors at all levels, all the way from some A-list, top-level directors, down to beginning or student directors. And it has nothing to do with how much experience they have, um, but it has to do with their personality, how open-minded they are, how courageous are they, how, how much are they willing to try something new, because I will present them with something new, because all of my techniques are basically new. A lot of people have not... Uh, seen them or use them and so it takes a very courageous director to try something new when he or she is preparing to direct this big feature film now I have about a dozen directors that I work with constantly over the years again and again and again and they become even more courageous the more we work because they get used to this process but a new director I have to be careful because they can get frightened or go, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I want to try that. I don't know if I want to do that. And that's their own fear. Now, we talked about the actor's fear of making a mistake and not doing a good job. Well, the directors have the same fears. I'm not going to do a good job. I'm not going to make them a good movie. I'm going to miss some opportunities. And here's this coach that's working with me, asking me to do things I've never done before. This feels scary. Oh, no, I should just go back to what I've been doing and do it the way I've always done it before. That's, that is the biggest challenge, really. So the challenge becomes not the techniques, but the challenge becomes the personality of the director. And then since you've been labeled the director's director, how do you direct directors? directors by actually teaching them these techniques that I'm telling you about. I mean, interrogation process is one of, one of many techniques. Um, and besides doing that and giving them these tools to work with, the other way I can help a director a lot is by reading their script, analyzing the script with them, breaking it down and analyzing it, and telling them what I see in the script, telling them what I, as a director, see as possibilities in the script. I'm not trying to get them to direct it the way I would direct it. That would be ridiculous. But as another person, as another director working right by their side, um, I can open up opportunities and other ways of seeing the scenes or the characters or the relationship. Or if we're in production, even remind them, of something, say, okay, you know, I think you should do another take of this because you're missing a quality that you said you wanted. So I, I become sort of an ally, a mentor by their side, and that's how I direct them. Okay. And, Mark, you've discussed the staging of scenes as the silent language. What do you mean by that? Are in, now, we're just talking about movies for a moment, cinema. There are about four different languages in cinema. Uh, one language is the camera and what you see and the visuals, all of that. That's a language because we get information from what we see on the screen. Another language, obviously, is the dialogue, what the characters say to each other. So that's a, that, that is another language. A third language is the sound or the music. The whole soundtrack is a language. And as you know, how music can affect you or sound effects can affect you. So that's another way we're communicating um, to the audience. And then the fourth is the staging of the scene, how the scene is staged. And you know, Camille, if you were sitting in a cafe, um, day alone, having a cup of coffee, and there was three people at a table sort of across the room from you, 
and you were just watching them and they were having they were in a, some kind of discussion or debate or what argument or whatever whatever that's going on but you can't really hear what they're saying but you will make um, assessments about them their personalities even their relationships just based on the way they are moving the way they are sitting the way they reach across the table the way they touch or don't touch each other when this one stands up or moves back in other words through the whole staging of that scene which is they're just there it's not a stage scene it's just a real scene in life we get information about who these people are and what they want and what they need and what they fear and it's constant I mean as we move through life it's happening to us all the time all the time yeah, I mean it's that little thing you you see a baby and who's who's giggling and laughing and why do you smile or you're assuming the baby's happy and all that you, you we respond so the audience does the same thing in a film they see a scene happening and they unconsciously very important this is unconscious are unconsciously responding to the staging the way characters are moving because they're making assessments about the characters and what they want what they need what's happening their reactions and so through the staging the audience is getting a sense of what's going on inside every single character which is not expressed through dialogue or any other means is only expressed through the staging and then, thank you. And then, what is the biggest obstacle um, you run into when working with directors? Me, that one a little while ago. The biggest obstacle working with directors? Well, directors who. Um, oh, here's a here's a big one. And the danger of assumption. Directors who assume. Mm-hmm. That because these characters are saying these things to each other in a scene, that the audience will understand something about the characters that is um, not expressed in the scene. And I may say, well, why, why are you assuming? They say, well, it's obvious. It's obvious that that's how they feel each other. Now, this happens a lot. This, this assumption that we as artists, um, directors, writers, and actors make because we've been working so hard and so long on this script or on this scene or on these characters, and we know what this, what's going on with them. We know what they want and they fear and desire. We know what's going on in that moment. And so we assume it's there because we want it to be there, and we actually believe we see that it's there. And sometimes it's my job with a director to say, I know you think it's there. I said, it's not there. The audience is not going to get it. The audience is not going to under. I'll give you a little example. The audience is not going to understand that she's lying to him. There's nothing indicating that she's lying to him. And then, oh, and the director may say, oh, no, it's obvious. It's obvious. I mean, you know, you know that, that's, she's lying. I said, it's not obvious. Now, I could restage the scenes of the director and make it clear and use the staging to give that information to the audience. But the assumption that the audience is going to get it, it's going to understand your story, your characters, and all that, without it being clear. Too many directors are too vague about what what is really going on. So we look at their movies and we watch them. We go, ah, I have no idea what's happening. I don't know who these people are, and I don't really care about them. And then, do all of your techniques work for actors? Oh, so sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mike. 
Please continue. I was just going to say the danger of assumption. <laughs> the other thing I was going to say, Camille, is yes. you and I and the rest of the world, we do this all the time, the assumption. I assume that because if I wear this outfit, people will, will uh, know how happy I am or how wealthy I am. Or how, do you know what I mean? You say, yes. why are you assuming? Why are you assuming that? You know, yes. so this assumption uh, is something. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> okay. And then uh, do all of your techniques work for actors as well? And can they use these techniques without a director? There's a lot of techniques just for actors that work very well. Um, but you're right. Most of the techniques, my, my career, my goal, my work is mainly focusing on the directors so that they have techniques that will help the actors. Now, all of these techniques work if the director learns how to use these techniques effectively. Uh, you, can't, you can't just see me do it and say, oh, I can do that, you know, because it, it's mm -hmm. not that easy. It's like learning a new language or learning how to play a different instrument or something like that. But a lot of the techniques that have worked very well getting performances out of the actors are not techniques that the actors can use all alone. They need, they, my techniques are developed on collaboration with another artist, usually the director. Could use these techniques if they have somebody else, like another actor, who can engage with them in these techniques. But that means then both of them have to learn the techniques. It's best when it's done by the director. Okay. Perfect. And then for the... One, one uh -huh. thing, that website that you gave yes. earlier, Tiffy, T-I-F-I, Travis International yes. Film Institute, dot U-S. Yes. That's the website. Yes. I think you gave that. The reason I'm bringing that up is to anybody who's listening, is you too, Camille. If you go to yes. that website and you look under the, <clears throat> it says project. You look under the menu that says project. And there's a film there called Rehearsal, Rehearsal Scene 22 where you will see the interrogation process and how it works mm -hmm. and how it works on the actress and how powerful it is. And you'll also see, you'll also understand watching it, how difficult it is to do it. But you'll see very much how effective it is. Okay, thank you. And then for the young and student directors, what advice do you have as they pursue their careers? If they want to be a director, which is great, but realize that as a director, there are two other things you must study. You must. And that's screenwriting and storytelling, screenwriting, storytelling, that whole world. Don't, don't assume you know how to write a screenplay. Don't assume you know how to break down and analyze a screenplay. Study. You need to study screenwriting and storytelling. And the other thing you need to study, and by studying, I mean going to classes not just watching. Mm -hmm. The other one is acting. Take an acting class. Take an acting class with other actors. Take an improvisation class. In other words, to become a really effective director, you have to be knowledgeable. You don't have to be a good screenwriter, but you have to be really knowledgeable screenwriting. You don't have to be a good direct actor, but you have to have had the experience and the knowledge of, of being an actor. Go into an acting class. Get into a one-act play that you're going to perform in front of people. 
have the experience of being an actor. That's one, two of the best things you can do, and you really should do it. Start now. Start right now. And actors and writers who know can sense. Actors and writers are like horses. Horses can sense when you get on their back whether or not you know how to deal with a horse immediately. Mm-hmm. Well, actors and writers are the same way. They can tell, an actor can tell them in a moment. You can say two or three lines to an actor, and they can tell in a moment whether or not you know anything about the world of acting. And the same thing with writers. They'll know in a moment whether or not you know anything about the world of writing and storytelling by the way you talk, by the way you, you talk about the script even, or by the way you talk about acting. So do yourself a favor. Study everything. Now, you should study cameras too, production designs, all of that too. But these acting and writing are key because that's the, that's the core of your story is your script and your actors and the performances. That's the core of your story. Okay, this has been an outstandingly informative, wonderful interview with you, Mark, and I just want to thank you so very much. I do have just one last question, and that is, um, what is your favorite coffee and or hot beverage? And or hot beverage. Uh, My favorite coffee is... um, I don't know if I have a favorite brand. I, I keep, you know, it's an interesting thing. I keep, I love coffee and I keep yeah. switching around and I've gone to the <laughs> point of doing the Keurig coffees, you know, the instant coffee makers. Yes. Actually, <laughs> this is part of that story. And the Nespresso, spelled with an N, Nespresso. Yes. And I've returned the machines to the company and they go, why are you returning it? I said, because seriously, the machine's fine. The coffee you, that I'm that I'm getting is not fine. I don't like it. I can't. You know, Nespresso has special. You know, I can't find the coffee I like. So now I'm down yes. to none of those machines and everything. Nothing. And every time I go shopping, I I try a different coffee brand and a different. You know, just see if I can find. I've gone through all, you know, a lot of the, the Starbucks brands, but then you get into the grinder and how you grind it and all that. What my favorite right now? I'm on French roast, a French roast coffee, which I kind of like, and I think okay. I'll stick with that for a while. And that, that's a Starbucks brand. And now I live in Hawaii, where they have Kona coffee. Now, I don't know if you've had Kona coffee. Kona coffee is yes, amazing. I have. It sure is. It's delicious, yes. But the yes. problem here, which I've discovered as I live here, is that there's going to be different ends of Kona coffee. Just because it says Kona doesn't mean anything. You, know, <laughs> you have to find the right brand. And, yes. and the best way is going to the coffee houses. So I go to the coffee house. Every time I go to a coffee house, I try another brand and all that. It's a constant, it's a constant search for the best. Now that's an interesting yeah. question, Camille. So I'm asking, I'm curious why that question. It's a fine question, but I'm curious why. Oh, because of the name of my show, it's a coffee chat with me, and so I always like to know what would my guests be, what kind of coffee would they be drinking if we were together um, in the studio or just at a coffee at a coffee shop chatting. So that is why I tend to ask that question. 
right now I'm drinking the, the French roast coffee that I made just before I went on with you. So I, I am. I thought it would be appropriate to be drinking coffee while I'm talking to you. Yes, I am too. Cafe. Yes, yes, I am also. So, so what is your what what is your favorite? What do you recommend? Um. Okay. I I recommend. I love Starbucks a lot. So I generally get the um, a hot van, hot tall vanilla vanilla latte. That's one of my favorites. And uh, so I like uh, I like that either hot or cold. So that's the only one that I drink there. And um, but at any rate. I, I actually, Mark, I actually have to, to say goodbye to you because I just received the, I don't know if you can hear it, but there's a 60-second countdown. But again, I wanted to thank you so very much for being on the show. And um, I really enjoyed listening to the director's director. It's wonderful. Thank you. Okay, bye for now. All right, everyone. I, 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 unfortunately, I ran out of time, but I really enjoyed Mark. He's just amazing. And uh, again, please go to his website. It's T as in Tom, I as in it, F as in Frank, I as in it, dot U, S as in Sam. Okay, and that was Mark Travis. All right, and you can also find him on IMBD if you like to, but... He is just a wonderful, amazing, um, super experienced person in acting and in, in, in film. Okay? So thanks for listening. Bye for now, everyone. Douglas is one of many who found a new life through Seattle's Union Gospel Mission. I was living on the streets when I heard this guy talk about how he got clean and sober at the mission. So I decided to give it a try. I could feel something working inside of me, and I knew I was getting better. Today, my number one goal is to stay clean and sober. And grace will lead me home. To hear more, volunteer, or donate, visit UGM.org. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.